Also, this podcast is sponsored by FNXFit.com. This website has protein shakes, powders, testosterone boosters, gummies, shirts, pretty much anything all about being healthy. Also, by the way, guys, you guys will get 10% off any order that you purchase with my discount code TJGleesack25. That's right, 10% off. And trust me, like 10% off will really help you guys out in the long run. Also, guys, if you don't like any of our products, well, we'll give you a refund with all your money back. So don't worry about that. You know, your money will be back. We'll get back to you once you meet your purchase. So go to FNXFit.com. That is FNXFIT.com. It will direct you to this, you know, awesome looking page. It's really just about staying healthy. And I know a lot of people want to stay healthy, especially during this time with the whole coronavirus out. So go to fnxfit.com, use my discount code TJGleesack25, and you'll get 10% off of any order. And if you guys want to get refunded, well, you'll get your money back. So uh, that's it. So let's go. What's up, guys? Do you like white teeth? Do you want to look good for a job interview, a date, to senior prom? Because senior prom's coming up, guys. We'll go to brightandsmile.com where we have all the best stuff to make your teeth look bright and shiny. We have a Brighten Teeth Whitening Kit, a starter set, gel refills, powders, and much more. Go to brightandsmile.com. You can get 20% off of any discount code you use, and my discount code will be coming out very soon. Podcast only on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Anchor.fm, and much, much more. How's everyone doing on this beautiful Wednesday? How's everyone doing, guys? So on today's show, we talked with Charlie T. This was a fun interview. He's a music producer. We talked about where his inspiration came from, the Beatles. We talked a little bit about, you know what kids are listening to and how we should connect with them and pretty much just some tough topics I laid on him just to see how, what his opinions were on that. It's a really fun interview. It was about an hour and 10 minutes, I believe for the interview, but um, yeah, it was a fun interview and I hope you guys enjoyed this interview. It was a really fun one. I probably sound a little tired right now just because I had a long day at work and um I want to try to get better with being less tired, but, you know, when you work a long day like me, it's kind of like one of those 
tired spells, if you know what I mean. But in any event, if you guys are new, make sure you like and subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, Anchor.fm, I don't know why I keep screwing up on that, and much more. Go follow me, TJTV, on Facebook and YouTube, TJ's Vlogs on YouTube, and The Spirit Project on YouTube, which the first trailer is actually being edited as we speak right now. And basically, that's really it. So here's the Charlie T interview. I hope everybody enjoys it. And I will see you guys for the outro. All right, I'm here with Charlie T. How are you doing today? He's a All music producer. Good, thank you. Thank you very much. So where are you from originally? You said Miami, right? Oh, no. Actually, I'm from Ecuador, South America. Ecuador, okay. That's where I live, actually. Did you grow up there? Yeah, all my life. Uh, I've been to the States several times, and um, for some reason, just English came second nature to me, and so did music. Did you have any inspirations when it came to music? Yeah, huge one, the Beatles, man. That's that's the thing that turned me on when I was I was five and I listened to the Beatles for the first time. And it was like, I don't know what this is coming from. I don't know how this is happening, but I want to do this. Yeah, I see your Beatles memorabilia as your background. Oh, yeah, lots of it. And um, it was that and a bit of classical music, Mozart and stuff. You know, I used to listen to records and tapes back in those days. And there was something to it that just made me feel like there's got to be a way I can do this. I want to do this. And um, since age five, I remember once in a music class, a teacher had, they, the school had bought like a little junior drum kit. And for some reason, it, it just came to me and I started playing that thing. Um, and I remember the kids were doing like some sort of musical thing with uh, Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley. And I just started doing the, the same drum beat that I heard. And I started playing to it. And the teacher, I remember, was like, how are you doing this? Like, you're, you're actually, you know, playing the bass drum and the snare drum and the hi-hat and whatever. And like, it just came to me and that was it. I fell in love with rock and roll and it hasn't stopped ever. Did, did you ever, like, did you feel like that came as a second nature? Absolutely. If you believe in past lives, I think... Maybe, maybe, maybe that's one possible explanation for it. You know, like how come that I, as a kid, um, you know, I took English as a second language. I was in a bilingual school. Half of the day we would speak English and, you know, take subjects in English and whatever. And it was really easy for me. And um, same thing with music. It just, I don't know, it just came. And uh, I, I did go to conservatory school for a few years when I was a kid but this was like from age five until I was like 10 maybe and I didn't really learn how to read or write music I learned the basic stuff like you know the music notes and the, and the piano and whatever and then uh, my parents bought me um, one of those huge home electric organs you know two two layers of, of, of keyboard and whatever and uh, I just started learning stuff and reading magazines that had like chords in them. And I could read that. 
And then from that, I progressed to when I was 12, my parents got me my, my first actual electronic keyboard, which was like a, a synthesizer. It was a Yamaha DX7S, like the second generation of the DX7. And at age 12, I mean, for, for a kid in 1987, that was like a huge luxury that my parents were able to afford. And, and, and I had that. So at age 12, I was like a horrible student in high school. <laughs> and uh, horrible. I mean, the worst ever. The only subjects I did well in was music and English, funny enough. And um, and they would be like, oh, my God, this guy, he's just like, you're so lazy. And I was like, yeah, of course I was lazy for homework because I spent all my days and nights reading the manual in English and programming uh, and the algorithms and then the synthesizer. And so, yeah, lazy kid you know, could program synthesizers at, at, at age 12, which is something like most grownups would shy from doing yeah. nowadays. But I did that and my parents saw the talent and my God, was I blessed. I mean, they, they really didn't know. They thought this was a hobby and it was like, you know, let's, let's, I mean, he's doing this instead of drugs. So might as well just help him. So they bought me a four track tape recorder a cassette recorder and uh that was it that was like oh man then i discovered you could like use the pitch control to make things sound deeper or, or like a chipmunk or whatever and do things backwards and this and that so it was like dude no i was doing multi-track recording at age 13 so it was pretty cool and 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 back in those days as you can imagine probably in south america there weren't any music de dealerships, you know, like in the States. And so whenever someone came from the States, all I would ask them was like, get me as many brochures as you can from the music places. Give me everything. So I would fantasize and dream of having these drum machines. And, and then I was like, you know, birthday and uh, I don't know, Christmas, whatever. No, I don't want any Transformers. I don't want any G.I. Joe. I want, uh, you know, get me get me a drum a drum machine that's what i want and then i got a drum machine and then i got another synth and from then i progressed to guitar when i was 17 i was given um well i was an uncle lent me his old useless guitar as he called it um that he had been given as part of a payment by someone it was a 1968 fender stratocaster with a matching twin reverb amp so that was the old gear that I was given. Like, you know, you can learn on this. So I was like, okay, I, I got spoiled and I knew good guitar tone from the get-go. And well, from then I had to give it back. But then I bought myself guitars and whatever. Then one day I just bought a bass and that was it. And like, I started playing bass. And so from then on, I progressed to digital multi-track and whatever. And well, long story short, when I was 22 years old, I was already charging for recording demos from my friends at college. And I was pretty well known at that. Then, you know, I started producing from home for mostly for solo artists who needed good tracks that sounded as realistic as possible and learning stuff. And then when the internet came, that was it. It was like, I, I just went through every single course I could get my hands on about sound and production and never really attended college for that. I actually went to college, but I was kind of coerced into uh, 
pursuing a business career. And that's what I did, which was kind of came kind of handy. It was geared mostly towards being an employee of a big company, not really an entrepreneur. So I had to learn the hard way. And, um, and I started my own studio here, which uh, up until recently, I, I, I had a brick and mortar studio here, a little project studio. But, you know, come and think of it, it's like uh, it's, been a, it's been over 20 years uh, of produ- production and charging for it and everything for bands and, and artists. And uh, I think I've worked well over uh, on well over 2000 tracks. So really? Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's been a lot of work, and I um, I remember a few day a few years back I I started thinking well how can I how can I you know push the envelope a little bit, and with my recording studio what I started offering was live streaming services for bands and this is well before COVID and everything. There this was well before YouTube Live. This was before Facebook Live. It was like about eight years ago that I started and I had no real video equipment per se. I, I figured out a way of plugging in three webcams into my, into my computer and somehow streaming, you know, three live webcams plus 16 channels of audio down mixed into two and like recording at the same time, mixing at the same time and, uh, kind of mastering at the same time and, and, and broadcasting it live. And um, I, I'm not going to say, it, I'm not going to lie to you. It wasn't like a be- the best TV production you've ever seen, but it was a good way of seeing bands basically rehearsing or, or recording in a, in a studio. So it was, that was satisfying because when I shut down my studio, I did it because I was completely exhausted it was exhausting that thing was like demanded of me like seven days a week several hours every day and I didn't really have any help I couldn't really get my hands on anybody who could take over or even you know try to you know take some of the workload off of me so I was really tired so that's why I shut it down but when I did and the COVID thing hit lots of people from local studios actually well some of them paid me to teach them how to do the live stream thing because then bands that's all they had that's all they have until now right you know there's no venues no nothing i don't know how everything else is going in in the rest of the world but over here we still have lockdowns every weekend i mean it's pretty crazy so yeah the music scene is pretty much dead over here i mean most people have turned to home recording and they're trying to learn whatever they can. So I'm trying to help them as much as I can. But what has been really rewarding and really nice, I started this company called Retro Producer last year. And uh, with that, I've been able to find, um, well, make really good friendships with singer-songwriters, which is now the, the market I'm catering to. Singer-songwriters mostly... Uh, people who don't really want to sound current as like, you know, mainstream kind of current music. It's mostly people who want a sound that is a bit like things used to sound like a few years back, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years back. And that's what I I specialized on, like creating a a sound uh, using, you know, digital 
technology recreating an analog vintage sound. Wow. There's a lot. You have a very interesting resume, it seems. Well, thanks. See, so what do you mean when you say you guys go on lockdown every weekend? So is it just like you have a certain time you have to be inside or? Yeah, that, that's crazy. Every single night by 8 p.m., it's like go home or get busted. It's that's that's how it works. So people do work during the work days and, uh, you know, office hours, everything's kind of working. Although some places have like restrictions of like, you know, there's like only 100 people are allowed in or whatever. And then on the weekends, it's like, yeah, get in, go home and don't go out. That's it. I would hate. I mean, so I'm in Pennsylvania right now and right. our restrictions are getting less. It's getting less and less um, relaxed, I guess, in that sense. Okay. So on Easter, I know they opened up bar stools because people weren't allowed to sit at the bars. And once Easter Sunday hit, that's when people started like sitting at bars. And I don't think there's any lockdown procedures at all where we're at. Yeah, I mean, in many places of the world, things are, you know, things are cooling down, kind of getting back to normal. Over here, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess they they saw there were some spikes with, you know, with, with people getting sick and stuff. So they had to take these measures without restricting too much the com normal commercial activity. So, yeah, you can order things like, you know, if you need something from the drugstore, you can call it and, and they'll deliver. Or if you need some food, they'll do that or groceries. But it's basically trying to restrict how many people are out there on the streets. Now, are masks like a are masks mandated in uh, Ecuador? No, not at all. Not, oh, not really? All. Yeah. That's weird. Oh, uh, hold on. Masks. Oh, no, I, I, I didn't hear you well. Yeah, masks are mandatory anywhere you go. It's so ridiculous. It's like even if you're driving in a car by yourself, you have to wear your mask or else the police can stop you and find you and whatever. Really? I didn't know. Wow. It's absolutely, it's nuts. I don't, I mean, go figure. I mean, I guess every could do this, but they've been pretty strict since the beginning, but still, you know, there's more and more people getting sick vaccinations have started and it's mostly for the elderly and they're going they're progressing down age-wise you know as they can but yeah it's like lots of people are getting vaccinated and actually lots of people are believe it or not there's like you can chart a, you can buy a tour to the u.s to get vaccinated hmm. i don't know that yeah and and there's people here taking tours to the U.S. And, and, and to go get their vaccines over there. Well, I know with the, like if people got their vaccines, they would like get their vaccine and then they would have to come back like 28 days later because you like some shots are two shots and then you, you know, you're fully exactly. vaccinated. That's what they do. So you just like book a whole trip to get vaccinated nowadays. That's a lot of people are doing that. It's crazy. Like ever since this whole like virus just came about, it's just like, the it put a whole new perspective on a lot of people i feel like absolutely it's it and and you know what else it's like i feel that there's so much misinformation you know like lots of people get their info from like whatsapp videos and you know like viral kind of things and everybody has their own opinion everybody has their own beliefs about it everybody has 
their own way to look at things, I suppose. But, you know, the bottom line is it, it has hit the, the music scene hard pretty much everywhere. Oh, yeah. And it, it has forced us as musicians and producers and to think about things in a different way, which, well, since I, I you know, I, I got into digital marketing a few years back to be able to promote my studio and what I'm doing now as a producer. Um, and I was convinced that personally, I think um, sort of DIY marketing and direct-to-consumer marketing is the way to go for musicians, I think. And um, I, I'm just kind of like starting to practice what I preach. I never really released any of my own music before because I was just like too busy putting out everybody else's music. That And like, honestly, I, like a month ago, I just opened my first Facebook page or Twitter account or Instagram account and started promoting my very first the very first song that I have actually recorded and released as a solo artist. I did before with another band and whatever, but this was just like me for the first time actually putting into action some of the marketing stuff that I've been learning for years. Now, do you feel when you're helping other musicians with their songs and whatnot, do you feel like, does it inspire you to write your own music or no? No, actually, for some reason, it, I kind of like neglected my own songwriting for the longest time. And um, when I wanted to go back to it and I was like reviewing my old songs, it was like, dude, this sounds like, I don't know, it sounded pretty sad in the, in the sense that I, I guess I was, you know, writing what I felt at the moment. But now I want to focus on other kinds of, songs and just like be a bit more uplifting and optimistic i suppose so i want to i i am currently writing I, I forced myself to start writing one song a week so every single wednesday i sit down at 5 p.m and i'm like i'm not moving from this chair and unless i come out with a new song and uh, i'm doing that i'm still not satisfied that i would put out like every single song i'm doing it's you know it's been six weeks since i started that but uh, I did put out one and, uh, and I have another one ready, you know, getting everything ready. But when I help other musicians, it just, it just takes over everything. It, it gets me a few hours to be able to actually, you know, get clear on what I want. Because sometimes the artist doesn't know. Yeah. Sometimes the artist just gives me a, a vague idea and they're like, well, I want this to be kind of like a CCR track and, you know, a Creedence Clearwater revival thing, or I want this to sound very 60s, or I want this to be like an 80s track or whatever. And, uh, but for the most part, they leave it up to me, which is uh, both really cool that they trust me with their art and, and trust that the vision that I have will work. But at the same time, it's a huge responsibility, you know, it's like, I don't want to mess it up. I want, I want them to be happy with, with what I do, because what if sometimes 99% of the times it's like, I hear the track just voice and, and guitar, let's say, and I can already hear in my head how it should be. You know, I, I know that, Oh, this is going to work great. If you put like some, like a Hammond organ and some brass on it, and we need some backup singers and the drums got to be this way. And, 
And I explain it to them and I send reference tracks of what I think it could sound like. And like, as I said, I don't, I can't even recall the last time somebody said, no, that's completely wrong. They, they usually go like, yeah, that sounds good. Let's, let's see how that goes. So you're like the Elon Musk of music producers. Essentially. Oh God, I wish. Thank you. That's such a huge compliment. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have the vision and a lot of people like come to you because they know that you have the right vision and the right mindset of how things are supposed to be. Yeah, it, more, more than anything, it's like everybody has their influences, right? So sometimes we're not even aware of them. But as a person who's like not involved in what the lyric necessarily says or, or what's the story behind the song, you have, as, as a songwriter, you know what that song means to you when you wrote it, whatever it is, whether it's personal, ex personal experience or just an exercise of imagining creatively a good story or whatever. Um, I, the first thing I do is like, this sounds a lot like fill in the blank. And, and so I can tell you this, I think these are your, seem to be your influences, whether you're aware of them or not. And I just put that, translate that into sound, which is, I, I guess that's exactly what most singer songwriters want. They, they want to hit that sound that they don't even know how to express or how to put into a recording. And that's what I'm there for, to, to enable them and help them to, to actually just take the song where it wants to go. Right. Now, do you feel like that 60s music, 70s music, and 80s music, do you feel like that's making a comeback in this day and age? I think it already did. Actually, in the 90s, uh, I remember, maybe I was just with the wrong kind of friends i don't know but i remember my friends all being super retro i mean they loved stuff that was current back then alternative like nirvana and soundgarden and stone temple pilots and stuff like that they loved it it's like rock and roll made a huge comeback with a new sound but you know most of the people i knew they loved the stones and the beatles and led zeppelin and pink floyd And so those, that kind of sound, that kind of production was revered. It was like, wow, the holy grail of music and, and creativity and sound. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's making a comeback to like the mainstream. As I say, I think in the mainstream, well, especially in Latin America, everything is like reggaeton and stuff like that, which I personally, I, I just don't click with it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Maybe there's something wrong with me. I don't know. I just, it doesn't move me. But I think in, in the States and in Europe, it's a lot of like, like let's say kind of like dream pop and like stuff mixed with EDM. And it's a mix of so many influences. And right. I respect, I, I, I do enjoy today's music. Like, I don't know what's like super current, but let's say Ariana Grande or Ed Sheeran or whatever. I hear those songs. They seem to be like amazingly well-produced, like super produced. Like it's like some techniques and stuff that I can't even get my head around it. It's like super crazy. So no, I don't think rock and roll is necessarily making a comeback. What I do believe is like, regardless of the music you make, there is a market and that's the beauty of the internet. And that's the beauty of today. I don't think we've ever been in such a position as independent musicians 
to be able to cater to a market that likes exactly what we're doing, regardless of what it is you're doing. Like, I don't care. I mean, there, there, I know people who make thousands of dollars a month with lo-fi recordings. And that's just their jam. That's what they do. They, they pull out like a, like a mini tape recorder with batteries and they just like sing their songs with lots of hiss and crackles and pops and whatever. And, and it works and people like it. And, and there's an, I think there's an audience for anything. And, but a lot of people, I feel like when they make that type of music and it comes with podcasting too, like there's always an audience, but it's what audience are you trying to connect with? Are you connecting with a younger audience or an older audience or an audience that's around your age? And that's what I feel like a lot of artists, including myself struggle with. Like I have a hard time connecting with, you know, people around my age because like I'm more, you know, I feel like I should have been born back in like 19, like. 70s just because like i have the mentality like older people nowadays like people that are older than me to be honest well that's the thing you see for example i i know a local band these are three extremely talented young guys uh they're like the drummer is amazing he's 15 the the guitar player they they write songs in english it's mostly stuff that sounds like uh, grunge and other influences, but they say exactly what you just said. It's like, I feel like I should have been born in, in a time that I should have been 20 in the nineties. And I tell them, no, dude, like I'm, there's plenty of people your age or even younger who do like the same kind of sounds you do. They probably also like hip hop. They probably also like EDM. You know, that's the beauty of it. It's like nowadays you are able to access any kind of music anywhere with a click of a touch screen, you know, and your device and just have it there. And so I speak from experience, like my kids, they like, you know, current pop, but they also love the Beach Boys. And so I think that if you're making Beach Boy kind of music, it's not only going to be the people who are 70 or 60 who were alive in the 60s and 70s or, or you know, in their 20s, that back then but i think you're going to connect with anybody who likes that kind of genre and sometimes it depends i mean if you try to go mainstream if you try to hit it big if you try to be the next biggest thing that's going to be really hard and you're probably going to have to adhere to a certain kind of music genre and a certain kind of look and a certain kind of marketing but i think if you go the other way it's like regardless like if you run facebook ads you're going to be able to find people who share the same interest regardless of where they live and regardless of their age. So I don't think it necessarily is a generational kind of thing. I, I definitely think it's more, you know, finding the people who enjoy what you do. And that's, it, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to, you know, grasp that concept because we're so used to thinking that we should cater to our generation. But no, I think we can cater to many generations that happen to share this common interest. Right. I get that completely. See, when I was a kid, I I was like, a, I listened to the Beatles all the time, obviously. They were the first, like, like, I listened to music as a kid, but I didn't really start, you know, like, going deep into music until I started listening to the Beatles and the Beach Boys. 
and a lot of the kids that were around my age they were listening to more like hip-hop and stuff and i just wasn't really into it but now like as i got older i discovered like you know all the music from back in the 2000s from when like all the my friends were listening to like you know the stuff back then and then the music now and i can connect with all of it now that's just the way i i was and people would make fun of me for listening to the beatles because they're like that's not current and i'm like well, it may not be current, but I like it. Yeah, and I think that's how it works now. Um, you know, it's been it's it's been crazy the way things have developed. But I think what uh, the biggest power right now is that as consumers of music or entertainment or media, we are able to just pretty much find anything from any time, whatever clicks with us regardless of what's playing on the radio. I mean, I don't even know people who listen to the radio anymore. You know, who, who does? I mean, it's like you turn something on and you just li listen to whatever they feed you instead of what we're doing now, which is like, you want to compare it is instead of being fed something at a, at a restaurant, it's like going out into the field and go pick whatever you like, you know, whatever you happen to bump into and you like it and and if it works it works for you and that's that yeah i listen to when it comes to listening to the radio i listen to xm a lot oh yeah but it's still online oh you yeah know, it's, it's it's pretty different it's a different format of, from what the radio used to be back in the day and um i don't know how well i remember in the states they always had you know the rock and roll station the you know the hip-hop station and whatever here where i grew up radio stations used to kind of play everything and they they used to play a lot of hits from back in the day i mean you know you probably know the band america right yeah all right so those guys were huge here in ecuador in the 90s for some reason a radio station just started playing a lot of america and then people started asking for those songs And they became so popular that they came here for a concert. It was and it was like one of the nicest concerts I've ever been to. And it was in the 90s, you know, well past their, the time when they were super popular. So it, it, I suppose crazy things like that happen, you know, not so often. But nowadays it, it does happen a lot that if you really like the band America, you can connect with them on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And you're, and if they're ever doing like a, well, I don't know about tours or whatever, but if they have like a live streaming, you can just pay for it and watch them. And, and I think that's, uh, that speaks volumes for what musicians can do because it used to be that if you weren't in your prime as an artist anymore, or you didn't have a record company behind you, or you weren't on tour there, you weren't, then you weren't relevant anymore and you weren't making any money. But I think that has changed a lot. And, yeah. and there's, there's people making money from their bedrooms and that, that's beautiful. I think it's fantastic because that means that you don't have to have this huge, you know, uh, companies or budgets to be able to connect with people who are just hungry for something that they like. Yeah, exactly. I know how you feel. Uh, the thing is, when I look at people, I rather look when people are making money from their bedrooms, I see a lot of people. They're not putting I feel like in order to make money, you have to have some sort of and this is not not just with music. I'm saying with just like with anything, people are making money doing stupid challenges on like TikTok and whatnot. 
I'm more I'm more like look at the creative side of stuff. I would actually like to like host a show one day, like pick the uh creative person on like TikTok and see if they could like you know win this game. It would be like a game show, like it's hard to explain. Like pick like a hundred people from TikTok and uh pick which one has the most creativity and they would win the show. That's how I look at it. I rather look at the creative side of it, not just like, oh, I'm gonna go and like run down the street and like you know push somebody over and walk away that that's not I know creative. what you mean i know what you mean yeah. there's a well that's i think it comes it's like both sides of a coin it, it it comes this really cool side of being able to just access any kind of entertainment that you want at any time and with that you can either access things that has value artistic value you know like really good music or good movies or good shows. But by the same token, you're also going to find, and there's always going to be a demographic who's just interested on in something absolutely silly for us that is not artistic, that is not necessarily quality, but that is entertaining as hell maybe. So that's why they're selling, you know? And so we're always going to have those two. It's like, I remember in the 90s, people were so pissed you know, with stuff like Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera in the, in the beginning or, or the Spice Girls, which is like, I think maybe hardly anybody's going to call them classics by now. Oh, as yeah. You would probably call, I don't know, Soundgarden kind of classic by now or Nirvana definitely classic by now, even though they're, you know, just a few years apart. But the thing is like, it all depends on what the aim of the entertainment is. Is this just purely entertainment that, you know, I remember George Harrison saying he loved the music videos of the Spice Girls because, because even with the music off, you can really enjoy it. And, and, and yeah, that's, that's what it was for. It was just entertainment for the sake of entertainment. Something like, you know, that you can just like see and haha laugh about it. And there's some other kind of entertainment that is also art and or a bit more artistic and a bit more creative. And I think that's what's happening with TikTok. It's like, sure, most people maybe, I really don't, I'm not that familiar with the platform, but I think most people are just doing things for the sake of being silly and getting eyeballs on the screen and being able to make a buck if you somehow monetize that. But on the other side of things, there's people like the people I have the pleasure to work with who are crafting songs and they're crafting a sound and they're crafting a career with something that they think it's more significant and 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 that's beautiful that you can have both of those things and you know if there's i mean look there's gamers out there on youtube that have 17 million subscribers and they're making tons of money over something that maybe well maybe it's not art but it's certainly relevant to someone and uh, i think as musicians what we have to do is uh, understand that it's not enough to play your guitar and and sing well and make cool songs and record it well it's also about presenting it the right way to the right audience Right. And that's what these people on TikTok or YouTube and the gamers are doing. They, they understand that they are providing content to someone who's interested in it. Definitely. Yeah, no, I feel you on that. 
I mean, when I for I started making YouTube uh, content in 2018, and I would follow the same algorithm uh, algorithm as the other YouTubers would do. Like they would go to Walmart and like destroy stuff, but I wasn't really more into destroying. I would just like mess around, and that's what actually got me to 14, you know, 100 subscribers in a year. That's but cool. it, I feel like now with YouTube, like with their whole like they're changing their whole algorithm, and you have to like word stuff a certain way. You have to limit it. You're cursing as much. Yeah, it's the same thing with the podcasting. Like I've been doing this for six years. I have three sponsorships, but I feel like more now than ever, my show has it went up, and it was down, then it goes up, and now and right now it's going down, and I don't know if it's just because of people that are going back to work and because of COVID, but I want to get back up to where I was a year ago. You know what I mean? Right. And, and you probably will. I, I mean, in the sense that as long as you keep doing things that, that are satisfying to you and that, that are, that somehow provide some value to your audience, it's inevitable that, you know, one way or another, it's going to work, but, it does it, it does take work it, it does take work to to promote things whatever it is that you're doing and it does take skill and uh, it does take time and that's something that as musicians and, and creators we have to understand that this is a long you know it's 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 you have to endure it's it's a race in which you have to just keep going no matter what and just keep doing the work incessantly did you ever feel like when you first started your business uh, that it was going to fail at first? It did several times. Um, and it, 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 you know, it, it, it has, and it has transformed itself in, in several ways. As I tell you, I used to do live streaming and I used to do multi-track recording for bands. And then I changed it all completely because, well, we're not robots. We're not machines. And at some point we might get fed up with something that worked. And, and sometimes when something's working beautifully, you just have to break it and start all over again. Um, and then as, you know, as inspiration, I look at the Beatles. I mean, those guys didn't write She Loves You 20 times over. They did it once and then they went for, to someone, somewhere else and then they broke that and then they did something else and then they forgot that and they kept going. And I think that's, that's kind of the curse and the blessing of the creative people. We're not satisfied with just one thing. So yeah, I was afraid of it failing and it did. Some things people weren't just ready for at the time when I started, but now they are. It's like, I, I feel that since COVID hit, um, musicians were finally a bit more centered on creating music from home instead of just thinking of going out there and either busking or, you know, trying to get whatever crappy uh, venue to then get up 50 people there. And now they're focusing, okay, let's, let's get 50 people from around the world watching on zoom and, and charging five bucks. And, you know, it, it just kind of, sometimes we're forced into change. And I think that's what the last year has proven that we can't just, be afraid of failure because we'll never get anywhere. We'll never get anything done. And so, yeah, I was really afraid and it, and it sucked when it didn't work, but that didn't stop me. Thank goodness. It hadn't stopped me 
from trying again and, and, and looking for other ways. And sometimes it's like, you know, when you're a kid, it's like, aren't you afraid you're going to fall off your bike when you're learning? Yeah. And you do, and you scrape your knees and it's like really bad and it hurts and you cry and, and then you get up on the bike again and you just keep trying. And then when you're 20, you never even think about it anymore. You're doing, no. you're going downhill somewhere and you don't care. You're doing extreme sports and who cares? And you're going out there and you might hurt yourself, but you're going to miss a lot of fun if you don't. Exactly. Uh, that's what I feel like. So there's this one guy I work with. He's been on the show a few times. He he is afraid of failing like all the time mm -hmm. and he even told me today like i think i'm just going to give up and i'm like give up on what he said on everything because he wants to get into something he wants to get into a different business and whatnot i'm like dude i'm like he's in school i'm like you're in school right now and you're going for you know what you want to go for you're going for like i think it's good. let's just say like carpeting so you're going into this degree you're not going to find a job while you're in school you might find a job but it's not going to be the dream job that you want like instead of just saying you're going to give up wait until you finish school and then just look for a job once you get that uh, certificate right and, and that's what a lot of people do nowadays i feel like a lot of people when they when they fail at something they just give up automatically well that's the natural instinct But I think as humans, we're also kind of programmed to sooner or later get back on the saddle and keep trying. And if it's not the same thing, then you'll try something else. But I think us musicians have this amazing gift of being incredibly stubborn. And even though mom and dad told you it was a bad idea, you just did it. And even though all your friends think you're going to starve and you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life, you just keep doing it. And sometimes you just end up spending all the money you got on recordings or marketing or whatever, and it doesn't go the way you wanted it, but then you just keep going. So it's, that's what happens when you have a passion, you know? I mean, what would have happened to the Wright brothers if it didn't have a passion and the belief that they could fly a machine, they could make a machine that flies? I'm pretty sure they failed a hundred thousand times before they got the first one flying for a few hundred yards or even less than that. And, but that's, it's normal to want to give up and it's okay to have like the emotional, I don't know, intelligence to be able to say, listen, it sucked. Something went wrong. It doesn't mean that I'm cursed. It doesn't mean that whatever I want to do is stupid. It just means that it wasn't the right approach, the right time, the right way to do things. But sooner or later, we, we, we have to try it again. And the, the thing with trying again is like, every time you try again, change something. Don't do it exactly the same way because that's by definition what insanity is, right? Like going at it again, exactly the same way. So you have to change something, a, a part of the equation. And what you have to understand is like, when you're trying to put your music out there, And when you're trying to make a career out of anything, be it, you know, carpeting business or, or music business, there are so many variables in that equation. And one or several of those can go wrong at a certain time. So in order for you to try again, take a deep breath, you know, rest a few days, get it out of your system, 
complain as much as you need. <laughs> and then when you're ready, you know, when you feel renewed, go back at it, but change something from what you did last time. And, and most likely that's the way, that's how Edison invented the light bulb. He had like, I don't know, it was something like 20,000 failed attempts. Really? And they tried everything. They tried materials and different conditions until they hit the thing and they did something unique that had never been done before and that changed the life of all humanity forever. So if you want to do that, just keep changing something in the formula and, and something in the equation and keep going and eventually you'll find it. Yeah, no, I, I feel you on that completely. I mean, I, I'll admit there's some, whenever I did, whenever I do some episodes, I have to redo them a lot because like I did one today and I was really outrageous on it. And I was really like, I said some really crude things. And I thought about, I'm like, I really shouldn't be posting this because it, it could come off as like, it could be wrong. I feel like. Uh, like, like I didn't want to post it because I could have like, you know, hurt someone's feelings, but that's the thing though. Like, I feel like sometimes with, whenever people like write music or post something on like social media, they will hurt somebody's feelings, not intending to do that. Yeah. And um, I redid the episode and when I did it, I looked at, I was just looking at it like before we, the show started and it was like horrible. Like it failed miserably because like, nobody like listened to it right yet and i'm thinking like that's weird like usually like somebody would at least listen to it like once or twice but nothing okay i feel like my episode like my more outrageous episodes and my more and the more episodes about like talking about my personal life i feel like that's like where people can connect with me in a way and my interviews as well and you know the thing is that probably first of all we can't we can't go out there willingly wanting to hurt anybody, but yeah. if we're going out there with the truth and, and that sometimes can upset somebody, well, you know, those are our casualties of war. I say it's like, it's a podcast, man. And somebody can just like, you know, stop listening that nobody's forcing them. But if you're being honest and it's some tough love that, that you have to put out there and it's some kind of like harsh truth or whatever and, and some harsh language or some harsh attitude. Well, that's part of the human experience as well. It's not all roses and, and, and bunnies, you know? It's sometimes, it's sometimes it's crappy stuff that happens and, and you have to say it. And if you have to say it and you feel you have to say it, then put it out there and people most likely there's going to be people who will connect with it as well. Oh yeah. And that's the thing. I feel like people get offended too easily nowadays. I mean, I grew up, I'm 26 and like a lot of kids my age are still, you know, they're getting upset about what somebody said like two months ago. I mean, I'm at that point in my life where like, I don't really care what people say or think about me at this point. Well, that, you know, growing thick skin is, is kind of hard, oh, especially yeah. when, when you are just thinking of, uh, especially when you go thinking that people owe you something or that you're entitled to something. Well, yeah, everybody owes each other respect, but that doesn't take away from 
your freedom of being able to just express what you feel and someone else's freedom to feel offended by it. I mean, sure, you know, be my guest. I mean, you don't like what I'm saying, then sorry, too bad. I'm not, not trying to hurt you, but it's gonna happen. Whether it's music or politics or a movie or especially anything creative, when you express an opinion, there's, it's guaranteed that there's gonna be people who don't like it. But it's also a guarantee that there's gonna be people who side with you and who, who will like it and who eventually can support you, yeah. whatever it is that you're doing. Like I, I remember I was talking to um, my fiance's uh, nephews and I said, you know, back in the, the music that you're listening to today is crap. You should listen to, and I said something like the Beatles and he got really upset and said, well, you weren't alive when the Beatles were around. I was like, it doesn't matter. I was like, that was, they made music. They are the ones who made what you're listening to today. And like, we get, we got like really, he got really upset about that statement. I don't, like for no reason. It was like, and it's the truth. Well, the thing is that you see what we have to kind of take into account is like whatever people listen to and whatever they consume right now, they feel identified with it. And so when someone else says, well, maybe you should give something else a try, automatically they assume you're telling them you're no good. Even you tell, if you tell them the music you're listening to is not as good as, the first thing they hear is like, dude, you're no good. <laughs> and and so that's the problem. I mean, we've been kind of taught as a society that when somebody disagrees with you, fundamentally they hate you. And that's not it. It's just, it's just a disagreement. It's a difference in opinion. And um, I think it also depends on how you paint that picture. And I think being a parent has really taught me a lot about this. Because if I tell my kids, dude, that, that, why are you watching that stupid TV? I mean, YouTube channel with guys just pranking other people. That's crap. Don't do that. Go watch something good. If I say that, they're going to hate me immediately. Right. But if I sit down for a second and I try to find something good about and I, and I go like, oh, God, yeah, those guys are pretty clever. I mean, they come up with really clever pranks and whatever. It like that reminds me, you know what? I remember this guy from the 90s called Beekman. Have you ever seen the Beekman's world? And I teach them something different and they kind of like, you know, see something interesting in another way. I think it also depends on how you how you present things to other people which is hard most of the way to try to be that diplomatic all the time you know yeah it, it and it's hard to connect with i feel like sometimes when you're depending on how old you are you're, it's sometimes hard to connect with kids nowadays just because of you know what they're going through and especially with the whole like covid19 uh virus oh, yeah. like a lot of kids are home right now and they don't get the have fun with their friends because like some parents won't let them outside. But I feel like a lot of kids have been struggling over the last couple of years because of this whole virus. Absolutely. And, and I think it's, um, it's horrible if you think about it. I mean, when you were 14 or 15 or 16, whenever you said, mom, I'm going to the mall with some friends. I, I doubt that you had a lot of trouble with that. I mean, you probably did, or you just went down to the store, get something with, with your sibling and it was no problem. But nowadays it's like, wait, hold on. You're going to get, you know, 
somebody's gonna mug you or are you gonna be like molested or or are you gonna get COVID or you know so many we're freaking out all the time and it's hard you know being balancing that part of like they kids have to have their own lives and balancing that with their safety because well as you mentioned a lot of kids are just home and the only means of knowing the world is through their devices and uh, that poses a lot of questions about security as well and safety and uh, they are going through something that none of humanity had ever had to go through yeah. which is yeah. you know having the possibility of communicating with anybody at any moment and it's a lot of power for a teenager or a kid to have that that kind of a responsibility so that's a tough that's a really tough you you bring up really tough subjects man i mean those are really tough things because I, I don't think anybody really knows how to deal with all that. And how yeah. do you deal with kids not growing up with other children when that's like how it has been for the entirety of human history? Yeah. That's, that's how we grew up. That's how everybody grew up with other children, with other kids and with people your age. And now it's not happening. Or if it's happening, it's just happening through a chat or you know, or a device. So what's going to be the consequence? We can only guess. Yeah, I do bring up tough subjects. A friend of mine uh, told me the other day, he was like, you bring on really, you put a, a, a lot of uh, edgy content up there. I was like, yeah, I'm an edgy guy. And, and it's not just, I guess it's just who I am. Like I like bringing up edgy content, not to get a rise out of people. I just want to get other people's opinions on it. Like for example, the George, did you hear about the George Floyd uh, case that happened? Absolutely, yes, yes, yeah. I brought up that con uh, that um conversation, and how Derek Chauvin went to jail, and how I liked the idea about him going to jail. I wanted to see other people's viewpoints from both sides. Should he have gone to jail, or shouldn't he have gone to jail? That's what I wanted to bring. That's the type of content I like to bring because I want to see both points, and I want to see which point is valid. And then if I don't like their points, I want to call them out on like, okay, your point I don't like because I feel it's wrong because of this, that, and the third, or I like your point because, you know, you bring up a good topic about this and whatnot. Right. And, and yeah, that's, that's the type of content I do bring to the show, especially when it comes to interviews, because I want to get other people's opinions on certain things. You know what I mean? Even if yes. I don't agree with their opinions. Yeah. Cause just, you know, sometimes just listening to someone, even if you think they're completely wrong, it just gives you another perspective, which is basically all you have. Like sometimes you, we may think we have, we know the truth about something, but well, the truth might be absolute, but points of view are endless and and I think the more points of view you come across, you're, the better off you are in being able to form your own opinion about things. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I do, I do like talking about tough subjects, though. It's just me. I think it's important. I think it's important that we do because sometimes the things that make us uncomfortable are the things that 
help us grow up the most and we all need to keep growing up regardless of our age or how much we've been through uh, we keep we have to ca- have a constant conversation about everything with as many yeah. people as we can not to be able to convince everybody of what we think but more like trying to come to either some understanding or at least get to the position of you know let's agree to disagree and and still we can be good friends or neighbors or whatever and you know no, no need to kill each other of over a point of view and plus like when it comes to my show my show is all about honesty and i like talking about like you know my insecure like not just my insecurities but like you know what you what it was like for you as a kid how it's like how are you uh coping with like this traumatic thing that happened to you now uh, i'm so aware of this like camera right now i feel like that like i look ugly in this like frame like pretty much stuff like that Th- those are yeah. the types of points i like to bring up and that and like that's a real that's like a real conversation and a real like um what's the word i'm trying to think of the word not disability the we it's like a real like um i can't think of the word at the moment but it's real podcasting it's good it's a good podcasting in my personal opinion i think so too because it's a real life experience it's, yeah it, that this is what it's all about that's that's why we all have opinions and and a way of expressing those opinions and sometimes even though you might not change your point of view when you hear someone else's at least you can try to consider how is it that this person came to this conclusion you know and and sometimes you can understand how other people see things but you don't agree with them that's fine yeah definitely so what is your favorite beatles song oh boy now that's that's a tough one that's a really tough one but probably rain because it's so it sounds timeless to me it it doesn't sound like a class a typical 60s song and I, i i think i watched a youtube thing when they where they showed that song to some kids they were like in junior high or something and they they were like no there's no way this is the beatles it doesn't sound like a 60s, 60s kind of thing it sounds kind of timeless it sounds kind of weird it sounds it could pass like if nobody knew that song and you presented it to any kid it could pass as some sort of indie rock it's it's you know it, it works it's it's kind of that's why i love it it's it's in that transition moment between the what i call the black and white period and the psychedelic period so i really like that that song i remember i took a class called the history of rock and roll and we learned about you know before like elvis and before elvis and we learned about the beatles and we would take tests on them and i remember him my teacher showing us when the Beatles went to uh, what was it? India, I believe. Right. And that's where like the psychedelic rock and everything came in effect. Yeah. I kind of want to like, I kind of would like to experience that. I feel like that would be like a really like trippy type of, uh, you know, t- type of a thing to be honest. That would be really trippy and just be really interested to like see what it was like, but I don't think oh, I can ever do that. Yeah, I mean, count me in. If there's ever like a time machine thing, 
I would definitely go back to like 1967 London and try and get that. It's it's really hard to imagine that being actual life because we we've only seen that in in film, you know, in, in in old films and but it must have been electric, man. It must have been electrifying to to have those bands and that kind of music and the hairdos and and the groovy clothes and the stuff and the attitude that people had was fundamentally different from from what we know. Did you ever seen the movie The Dirt? No, no I haven't. You ever you know the band Motley Crue? Uh, yeah, sure, yeah. So that that's what the movie's based on. I highly recommend not to watch it with kids. All right. <laughs> Cuz it's really yeah. it's really raw. It, it's worse than you know Howard Stern, right? Yeah, sure. Did you, yeah. Ever, you ever see the movie Private Parts? Yeah, yeah, that was hilarious, but I would it, never watch that with a kid. <laughs> it's 10 times more raunchier than that. Okay. To okay. say the least. Wow. But like it's re- like my fiance can't watch it. Like I, I want to watch it again and she she just doesn't want to watch because it's too it's so bad. I okay. like the movie to be honest. I liked everything like not like the raunchy stuff, but I like the story behind everything, but Right. It, yeah, I highly recommend never to watch it with a kid. <laughs> okay, don't worry. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I, once I do, I'm gonna be all by myself. Don't you worry about that. It's on. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll check that out. I'll Definitely, that out. it's a good, good movie. There's a lot of, but I feel like a lot of movies based on like bands. Like I feel like they overdo it. Like they don't tell the entire story, and I feel like that can get kind of like. If you're making a movie about a band or a musician, I feel like you have to go into like the real deep, you know, things that happened in their life and not just like, oh, yeah, so-and-so started, uh, you know, in Compton, California, and then uh, he just became the best rapper ever or something like that. Like, they have to go deep into their story, and I feel like a lot of movies don't do that. I think so, mostly because of record companies think about it i mean i don't think a record company wants all the dirt to really come out from a certain artist unless it is that kind of an artist like you mentioned motley, motley crew that is part of their persona is like you know the, the the parties and the sex and drugs and rock and roll thing so yeah that sells for their audience but you don't really want to know what went like you know what went down with neil diamond and like what's all this lease with him and like if there is any i don't know i mean but it, i think it depends on that it, it it really depends on usually biopics tend to be kind of tame and exploit one side of the story and this has been true i think of two two artists come to mind both michael jackson and um whitney houston I've seen a couple of movies about them. I and mean, it's like, what went wrong? Like, what went wrong? It's like, how do you know? There's no way you can really know. I mean, you, you know some facts, you know what happened and the tragic outcomes, but you can never really know what was going on through a person's mind at a certain point in time. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you, they do their best to try to uncover, or even with Kurt Cobain as well. It's like, you can sort of kind of imagine, but, I mean, we're never really going to know the full story. But you're right. I think sometimes they do kind of like soften the, the, the story and, and make it more like, oh, this was all 
nice and then something went wrong but yeah he was the greatest ever and yeah we know that it's like you know sometimes that's what i tell you sometimes entertainment fails to be of consequence sometimes they 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 kind of blur the line between art and entertainment but some of the stuff just ends up being good entertainment but not necessarily a great piece of art right yeah i understand completely um looking at the time well i actually do you have any other do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here because um yeah it's getting a little well, late okay so if anybody's interested in producing their music putting it out there and not be like me wait 30 years to put your own music out there just you know don't be chicken just take a deep breath and go for it <laughs> who cares people may you know there's i guarantee there's going to be more than one person out there who really likes whatever it is that you're doing and um, if so i'd be more than happy to help you if for any reason i don't produce your music i can at least maybe encourage you and entice you and give you something from my own experience to tell you go out there and do it life happens you're 20 something right now you're 30 something right now you're 40 something right now one day you're gonna blink and you're gonna be 70 and you don't want that day to come and say man i wish i had fill in the blank you know just go out and do it now's the time screw covid I mean, be safe, but dude, we live in the greatest age of communication in human history so far. Let's take advantage. I'm Charlie T. You can find me at retroproducer.com. I'd be more than happy to help you with anything. And if you just want to have a good chat like we just had today with TJ, well, here I am. Definitely. Now, do you believe... So I have actually one more question. Sure. If you have a dream and if you just, you know, you're at a job that you hate and you've been at this job for a year and you have a dream to become like a musician or, you know, a podcaster, like successful podcaster, mm -hmm. would you recommend quitting this job and doing like a part-time job, like quitting the, your full-time job and doing a part-time job and like maybe do Lyft or Uber or whatever and just doing the podcast just to make it better than ever just to get that you know to get to that point where you want to be okay being extremely pragmatic as i am i i really have to say first sit down and look at your situation either financially or emotionally if you are in a fragile state of either of those look for help there's there's tons of available help on on the internet either paid for or free support groups whatever look for information on how to get your finances in order how can you do this so that you can pursue your dream don't just jump at things sometimes it's better to you know know that your job sucks know that you're going to have to live with it for a little bit more uh, look for options, ask for opinions from people who have been there. If you're not feeling emotionally ready, then deal with that first. 
I believe it's better to take some time off and, you know, breathe a little, take it easy one day at a time and make a plan. And, and when, if, if your dream is to go out there and do something different from what you're doing, you absolutely can. There will never be a perfect moment, but there certainly can be a better moment than now. Meaning sometimes you do have to wait a little, like if you're broke and, 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 and you go and quit your job, then it's just going to make it worse. Yeah. Or if you're, you know, emotionally unstable or broken, or you went through something really bad recently, maybe this is not the time to go out and change everything. Just like try to, you know, put everything on a scale and, and find that balance, but for sure, make a plan and, and, go for that and work towards your plan and don't give up on your dreams because when you give up on your dreams, even sometimes you just have to put them off for a few months or, or years, but don't give up on your dreams and keep going. I know from experience, I went through college studying something that I didn't want to instead of doing what I wanted to do, but I ended up doing what I wanted anyway. It just took me longer. It was a longer road, but it served me well. I think, and um, sometimes it's it's not great to be super impulsive over these important decisions. Sometimes important decisions take more time and consideration. And the other thing is like, you're not alone. I mean, you're listening to this podcast automatically. Dude or do that, you are not alone. You You have someone out there who is going through probably the same kind of stuff you are or already did. And there are people out there who can connect with you and, and who, who you can meet to share experiences. Don't go at this alone or thinking you're alone. You're not. We're not alone. Now more than ever, we have 7 billion people. Well, not all of them are online, but several billion people in the world are online you can make friends, you can find, you will find crappy people too, but you can find great people who can like share experiences. You're not alone. You will find something. Don't give up on your dreams. Be smart, be patient and go at it. Go for it. Gotcha. That's really awesome. Well, Hey man, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, man. And I wish you all success and uh, I'll keep listening to see what other kind of, you know, provocative content you put out there. So I would love to hear that. I'll send you, um, I'll send you today's episode. Awesome. After Thank this. You. And then um, this will be up, what day is it? Monday. This should be up on Wednesday. So I'll make sure to like tag you in on, on Facebook and whatnot. Fantastic. I'm going to post a link like crazy all over the place. Okay. Sounds good. Same here. All right. Well, thanks again, man. Dude, thank you so much. Have a great evening and peace. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. All right, guys. That was a Charlie T interview. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you please like and subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and much more. Go follow me on all my socials. T Gleason22 on Instagram, TJGX5 on Twitter. And we have a lot of stuff coming for you guys. I promise you that. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know I did. Peace out, everybody. I will be back on Friday. And we will see you guys in the next one.
Bye. Remember when you ran away and I got on my knees and begged you not to leave because I go berserk? Well, you left me anyhow and then the days got worse and worse and now you see I've gone completely out of my mind. And they're coming to take me away, haha, they're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, haha, to the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats and they're coming to take me away.